we're seeing a lot of down days in a lot of markets. Have they made the decision to pull the plug? Are we watching a demolition of the markets? And is it, do you think it's going to keep on going? Well, I like what uh, you referred to at the beginning there, Larry Silverstein saying, uh, you know, we decided to pull it. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics. And I am quite excited today to have Sean from the SGT Report dig into what's happening with the financial system, because certainly from that perspective that we have seen many times of the Rothschilds or the banking establishment profiting on both sides of the move, it sure feels as if they've pulled the plug. Sean, you and I have been talking about that for a while where it's almost, it kind of keeps reminding me of uh, the, the guy from the trade centers where he's like, let's pull it. And it feels as if someone a while ago made the decision via these Fed interest rate hikes to pull it because we are seeing things melting down. Gold and silver uh, recently taking a beating along with everything else, certainly stocks melting down and uh, more interest rate hikes on the way. So great to have you here, Sean, and welcome on in. Looking forward to discussing all this with you. Chris, hey, man, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, I'm going to try to be an optimist today. Cup half, the cup half full. I mean, the world is sort of crashing, but at the same time, lots of opportunities, right? Well, I think that's darn well said because, you know, it's, it's really a balance of, you know, there, there are things that are on one hand seem quite unfortunate and the opposite of the way I, I would advocate doing things yet not staying there and festering on that, but saying, all right, if this is how something is, how can we make the best of that, which you've really been a leader at doing. I know it's a heavy energy, some of the things that you dig through, but you have access to so many of the different schemes that are going on out there. And uh, let's start, though, with the one that's on a lot of people's minds. We're seeing a lot of down days in a lot of markets. Uh, have they made the decision to pull the plug? Are we watching a, a, a demolition of the markets? And is it, do you think it's going to keep on going? Well, I like what uh, you referred to at the beginning there, Larry Silverstein saying, uh, you know, we decided to pull it. So we pulled it and we watched the building come down. He was referring to World Trade Center 7, which collapsed at 520, 5.20 in the afternoon on 9-11. Uh, and the BBC reported about the collapse of that building 10 minutes early. So when Jane Stanley was uh, reporting live from New York City saying, details are sketchy. Well, boy, did she get that right. Details are sketchy. She's saying the building collapsed, the Solomon Brothers building, and it's smoldering behind her, dude. It's still standing. So... Yeah, I mean, we live really in a sea of lies controlled by liars and uh, the Rothschilds Battle of Waterloo, where they manipulated the markets and sold everything off, sending the message to the market that uh, Napoleon had won, which was not the case. And then they got to buy everything up pennies on the dollar. It sort of feels like we're there again, to some extent. But you know, and I know that the Fed, you know, these quarter point, half, uh, half point interest rate hikes, they're not going to bring in eight, nine percent inflation. So what are they really trying to do here, Chris? I mean, honestly, what are they trying to do here? Talk the stock market down? Is that essentially what they're trying to do? First, pop some bubbles? I mean, we're going to watch the housing bubble pop. That's what's coming next. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to really make a case for much else because when you have the combination of 
aggressive interest rate hikes. I mean, even for the Fed, I didn't think they'd be going 50. And now they're talking about 75 at a pop, which given that we have uh, inflation, CPI 8.5%, PPI 11%. Yeah, they should be moving pretty quick. And Sean, as you will find out, we have some footage of Ben Bernanke earlier this week. And let's just say that I don't think these, I don't think the Fed and their guys are aiming at eight or nine percent. But to what you said about the Rothschilds' style and that banking style of smashing it and 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 doing it in advance, I wonder if we're not seeing a modern day version because. You raise interest rates that fast, and then you do the sanctions on Russia. So they're pulling off all of their commodities and really creating a warlike. I mean, it seems as if we're almost on the verge of World War III here. I mean, what, what did you? What did they expect was going to happen? Yeah, I think they're engineering a famine too. You know, I mean, with the drought, the unprecedented drought we're seeing in the West, Lake Mead is almost empty. Um, the geoengineering is out of control, really. I mean, that's why there's such a long-term drought in the West. And now they're attacking the supply chains. I agree, man. Uh, this is definitely engineered to a large degree. And uh, anybody paying attention should dig deeper by looking into United Nations Agenda 2030, right? Uh, the World Economic Forum. In the future, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, says Klaus Schwab. You know, and that demon, uh, Yuval Noah Harari, says free will that's over. Human beings aren't going to have free will moving forward, you know, and they're going to be surveilled under the skin. So yeah, dude, this is all engineered, obviously, to some degree. The question is, you know, how does it end? And I was listening to your interview with uh, Michael Oliver, and I thought uh, it was interesting. He made the point that uh, is silver worthless at this point? Because that's the message being sent with $21 silver. I mean, it's just worthless. It's worth less than dirt. And uh, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but uh, he's kind of on point because uh, I, I made this point when uh, Luongo was on with uh, you and uh, me, you know, Tom. I made the point that, you know, a Roman soldier's labor for a day of labor was one tenth of an ounce of silver. So it would take that Roman soldier 10 days to stack one ounce of physical silver, right? All right, well, my son got a dishwashing job at a popular restaurant. He's 15. They're paying him $16 an hour. So in an eight-hour shift, he can make $128. $128 over 10 days times 10 days is $1,280. Even at $30 silver, that's 42.5 ounces of silver. If my son could spend $1,280 and get silver at 26 an ounce, right? 21 plus what, five bucks spot? That's 49 ounces of silver that a 15-year-old can purchase on the back of 10 days of labor, whereas of labor with that Roman soldier, one ounce of silver. It's the same stuff being pulled out of the ground. So something is way out of whack, Chris. So, Sean, am I correct? Your son's not stocking treasuries these days or like putting some Moderna <laughs> share in the his 401k pile? You talked about. Well, sa sadly, he's not stacking silver either. He's saving for a car as uh, any 15 and a half year old boy would. It actually raises the question. In fact, we talked with Craig Hemke the other day. I'll give you the same one. Let's say that you, your son or you or anyone, you make X amount of dollars or whatever currency per month and you, you spend less than you make. So there's something left over. What exactly are people supposed to save in at this point? I mean, put dollars that are being devalued into a bank that often seems like it only stays afloat. If there's another quantitative easing or swap line, like what is the responsible thing to do at this point? That's right. 
That's right, man. That's the question I've been asking. And it's very, very frustrating. It's very demoralizing. I mean, we talked briefly before you hit record about being demoralized when they take away your YouTube, your YouTube channel, they take away your Twitter account, they take away your Vimeo, they take away your Patreon, they take away everything, right, that kind of makes you who you are out there in the world of the social media, you know, and it's very demoralizing. Same with uh, trying to save money in this atmosphere. I mean, we should be rewarded for having been prescient enough to buy a tangible asset like physical silver. But we're not. We're endlessly punished by J.P. Morgan, by Deutsche Bank, by HSBC, by whoever these players are, Bank of America, with the manipulation. These guys will sell, you know, in some days, a billion and a half or two billion ounces of paper silver into the market. I mean, come on, man. It's just so demoralizing, don't you think? Well, it certainly can be, although I, I think a lot of it depends on perspective, where... You know, when I left Wall Street, I had my my bucket of silver and some silver miner options. I'm like, if this baby goes back through, I'm, I mean, I'm home free. Although, I don't know, what would I be doing differently? I'd probably still be sitting there talking about silver today. So, I think there's the degree to which, yes, the price watching on that day to day basis can be frustrating. But I guess it's let. That's why I asked the question of what do you save in? It's like I'm not going to go. You didn't buy treasuries or Tesla shares or, or, you know, tech stocks. That doesn't seem to make sense when, when the thing melts down, if they, they raise interest rates, 50 basis points. So for me, and I, I understand it's different for others, but I don't know if I stack my silver or, you know, shares of mining companies that can withstand the current environment. If we're buying low, selling high, and, and looking at supply and demand, or even in a manipulated market, eventually these things do kick back. Look at what happened coming out of the London gold pool. I mean, silver was a dollar and uh, it went from one to two dollars in 1968. So if you're holding from back then, I mean, it, which I understand doesn't help people who are feeling the frustration today yet. I guess if I wait 20 years or if I pass that along, if I have children one day or just there's someone else, I guess that. I'd rather do that than support the Biden dollar. I guess that's also something that factors in. And Sean, I mean, you've seen where now accounts get frozen. I mean, they sanction Russia, Davos through Trudeau sanctions uh, Canada. I mean, who's to say Joe Biden doesn't sanction Americans tomorrow if, if they talk about trucks? Oh, well, that's, you know, that's really part of the plan. Let me do a screen share if you don't mind, and I'll show you that that's part of the plan. Now, they're a paper tiger, right? It's a joke. Biden's a joke. He didn't actually win the election. He didn't actually get 81 million votes. We all know that. But uh, they tried to implement this governance disinformation board. And now even that is being abandoned because nobody's falling for it. And it's gotten so much criticism because it's total fascism. It's totalitarianism. It's authoritarianism. Biden is a joke. This administration is a joke. And uh, how about Nina Jankowicz? She was going to head this thing. Did you see any, any of the videos of her? She's like a failed actress. And did you see the uh, performance of her? She was in a bar or something singing about who do I F to become rich, famous and powerful? That was going to be the head of this thing, a libtard. Uh, oh, and by the way, if we scroll down here, which I won't do because I don't know where it is, uh, half of Biden's Twitter followers are fake, according to an audit. Dude, the whole thing is just a paper shred. This entire system is fraud. 
I mean, it's it's an unusual setup for sure. Although, Sean, let's just go straight to one of the experts because fortunately enough, uh, in terms of how it's all going to play out economically, Ben Bernanke is out. He's got a new book coming, 21st Century Monetary Policy. I'm sure you're going to be running to pick that one up halfway through here. So let's let's hear what Ben had to say. We also talked uh, with Bernanke about the chances of a recession. Here's what he had to say. The more the Fed has to tighten in order to get inflation down, the bigger the chance of a recession and the more severe it will be. Inflation's at eight, eight and a half percent. So the more they have to tighten, which would seemingly be a lot, the more severe it's going to be. So, Sean, what do you say about that economic forecast? Uh, he's just a genius. I, 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 I guide my life based on what this man says. Well, fortunately, there's more. Much the Fed has to tighten depends in turn on what happens to these factors they can't control, like the supply chains and the commodity prices. Supply chain and the commodity prices, the factors they can't control, nothing about the monetary policy, but... Action ...requires you to make a prediction not only about the Fed's behavior, but about a lot of other things, the Ukraine war, etc. So it's a very hard thing, very uncertain thing to say. I guess that I still tend to believe that some of these forces uh, pushing up inflation, like the supply chains, like the preference for durable goods over services, um, and some of the commodity price increases, gas prices, and so on, uh, that they will at least stabilize and begin to moderate uh, sometime during this year, which would mean that inflation will come down to some extent, let's say by itself, but without the Fed's direct intervention. If that happens, the Fed would have to raise rates perhaps uh, moderately above neutral, say in the threes somewhere. And there's our money line, Sean. Raise rates moderately above neutral, which is now in the threes. So he's going to raise rates to 3% while inflation's 11%, and that's the new neutral. What, what do you say to that? Well, you know, it's funny to hear him say that there's a preference for goods over services. Well, duh, right? People need the stuff to survive, right? But the CPI, because it's so uh, massaged, it's not even the real rate of inflation. You know, Michael Saylor over at uh, MicroStrategy estimates the real rate of inflation is probably closer to 15, if not 20%. When you look at the stuff people need, food, energy, housing, gasoline, of course. So, you know, th these people, by the way, that guy, an agent of Rothschild. Now, I did find it interesting that uh, in that interview with you and Tom Luongo, he really made, uh, he was passionate about this idea that uh, the current Fed chair is really pushing back against the Davos elite, against the European Central Bank. By raising rates, he's doing exactly the opposite of what the elite, aka Rothschild, really want, which is to crush the United States, to crash the dollar so they can usher in their one world currency and one world govern, uh, government ostensibly. So I thought Luongo's analysis, analysis on that was really interesting. I don't know if he's right. He swears that the plan the Davos elite wanted was for us to go negative interest rates and to crash the dollar, just like we see happening in uh, the Euro. Well, and what's he saying about Bitcoin? He's saying Bitcoin will not become an alternative form of money, it says down there. But uh, so what's it been over the past 12 years? Is he well, saying unwind and Bitcoin's going to crash? It might. 
the only form of money to him is the Fed dollar. And look what it's based on. For the moment, knock on wood, uh, this is a big difference between uh, today and the 1970s. In the 1970s, inflation expectations were all over the place, and nobody had any confidence in the Fed uh, that it would bring inflation back down. Today, um, most indicators suggest that people are still pretty confident that the Fed... He's talking about confidence in the Fed. Like, people still have... Con Who has confidence in the Fed at this point? I mean, anybody knows what the Fed is. I mean, a private arm, a private bank controlled by the elite i mean who would have confidence in the system it's a con game you know from day one the whole thing's a con game meanwhile they're printing trillions and trillions of dollars well maybe they're slowing the roll on that now but uh it don't you find it funny how uh you know despite all the debt the congress can still approve 40 billion dollars for uh ukraine 40 there's, billion there's... with a b for ukraine unbelievable dude i'm so tired of this system we all are you know, it's a pretty corrupt, unjust system from top to bottom. Well, that certainly uh, does appear to be the case, although did have some interesting news on Wednesday because here Craig Hempy of TF Metals uh, sharing a story from Bloomberg. Surging dollar stirs markets buzz of 1980s style Plaza Accord. Um, through this 1985 agreement, major nations drove currencies down, inflation, Fed hikes of today echo what happened back then. And amazingly, in this hyperinflationary environment, the dollar's skyrocketing rise has some contemplating a rare, if not unthinkable action. Major nations agreeing to manipulate the U.S. currency <laughs> until it falls. I mean, it really is a wild three-card Monty on a global economic stage here. Yet, Sean, I guess... You know, some people do or don't like hearing it, but here we're talking about Bloomberg reporting major nations agreeing to manipulate the U.S. currency. So, like you said before, some people don't like hearing that, you know, things are a bit rigged. But, I mean, there you go, which leaves us in a position of it's really just how do you play defense against it, would you say? Well, I, I don't even know how to react to that, you know. What nations would want the dollar to fall? It kind of brings us back to what uh, Luongo was saying, right? That would probably be the ECB and the Eurozone. Those would be the nations that have the biggest vested interest in seeing the dollar crash, right? The Davos crowd. So I don't know. Maybe this speaks to what Luongo was trying to say in our interview to some degree. I mean, maybe the current Fed chair, Jerome Paul, uh, Powell, is actually doing God, it's hard. It's so difficult, dude. I have to break my own cognitive dissonance to even say this. But according to Luongo, he is kind of doing what is in the best interest of the United States by raising rates, as opposed to going to negative rates, which is what Davos wanted. I don't know. That's the full extent of my analysis. I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, it's actually interesting because the dollar is skyrocketing rise. So they're talking about the dollars going too quickly and they want to agree to manipulate somehow the dollar down. Normally, all these different central banks are trying to make their own currency weaker so that they can sell a couple more exports. But here, if their currency is already weakening against the dollar, it's interesting to think what, what that might entail but again, I think to the bigger point that countries 
are getting sick of the the dollar policy and what it implies. And I mean, it's like the the foot is on the neck now. And you know, you have not just Russia, but now increasing list of countries that are saying we we the system doesn't work. Right. Luongo made that point too. You know that uh, Russia. What did he call them? He called them like. Uh, what did he call them? Not fake dollars, but his point was, you know, these nation states are getting really tired of trading real assets, real goods, as uh, Bernanke would call them, uh, trading oil and real goods for fake dollars. I, I forget the phrase uh, Luongo used, but uh, he's right. You know, I mean, that's what we're seeing happen with uh, Russia as uh, I guess they're going to back the ruble or have backed the ruble with commodities, gold to some extent, oil, right? Has that actually occurred? I mean, there's been a backing to it. I know the plan has been changing and what they'll ultimately arrive at, we'll see. But yeah, it's like, what what else are these countries supposed to do? I mean, with this reserve currency that's used like a weapon all over the place and um, Although actually, Sean, here's I can comment on this. Turns out we know what the European Union is going to do because in the face of their inflation, they're offering to print more money to ease the shock of losing access to Russian oil. Move it hopes will help clinch a deal to slap energy sanctions on Moscow. So how do you see that one playing out? The European Union offered member states as much as 2 billion euros to ease the shock of losing access to Russian oil. A move it hopes will help. Oh, my God. What are you going to do with $2 billion well, to, if you time. don't have oil? I mean, again, people need the goods, not the fiat money. I mean, what's $2 billion going to do for you if you don't have access to oil, if you can't provide energy for your people? Would they're going to quell the riots with 2 billion euros? Meanwhile, look, this whole thing is such a Ponzi. Again, $2 billion, $2 billion euros, that's, I guess, a lot of money, right? How about $40 billion coming from this criminal government and going to Ukraine, which is a cesspool of corruption, right? Who wants to continue to pay taxes to this criminal government when that's what they're doing? $40 billion. Fortunately, Rand Paul is standing in the, the way of that to some degree. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't understand what 2 billion euros is going to do for these member states if they can't get the energy they need for their people. Well, I, I, I don't know either. I mean, maybe that's like one of those secrets they teach at the Davos School for Young Leaders, because it seems like Biden has a uh, similar outline plan here to boost U.S. agricultural production as Ukraine invasion fuels high food prices. Now, I don't know uh, exactly how he's set to do that, although I'll bet you it includes some printed money and not him going out in the farm. So, Sean, uh, we won't go through this entire one, but there he is talking about the Putin price hike. I might add now the Dow has dropped 1,100 points as we're recording this. So um, what would you say are the likelihood that Biden is the man to get the, uh, the food production going again? Look, man, I mean, Biden is in the pocket of the World Economic Forum. OK, you can watch the video of him sitting in the front row applauding the crap coming from Klaus Schwab. OK, and, uh, you know, embracing uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. 
So Biden does not give two craps about the American people or the supply chain. I mean, what's the first did upon becoming a quote unquote president? Shut down the pipeline, right? The XL pipeline or the Keystone pipeline. Day two, I think he ended oil and gas leases for all sorts of uh, oil and gas uh, providers. So, <laughs> and by the way, under uh, Biden, Biden's FDA shut down uh, the leading uh, producer of baby formula. So now there's a baby formula shortage, which is actually a good thing because, you know, I think the top ingredient in baby formula is like high fructose corn syrup or something. I mean, this stuff is not healthy. Um, so it's a blessing in disguise for those who know how to feed their babies, uh, you know, without baby formula, uh, goat, goat's milk is probably a better option. But uh, no, this guy doesn't care about the American people. He doesn't care about the sovereignty of the United States, Chris. If he did, we wouldn't have a fully open border to the South. I mean, how are you, how is anybody to be convinced that Biden really cares about food production, oil and gas production? It seems to me like it's someone who's been bought and paid off and, and mm -hmm. is attempting to destroy things like, like we've been saying throughout the whole thing where what, whether it was him or some other actor, you know, along with the Fed, it seems like that's what they're doing. And Sean, another White House question for you. This happened last week. Uh, we see uh, Jen Psaki is leaving the White House press role saying she didn't want to miss moments with her children, which certainly, okay, that's fair. Although didn't notice that she's TV bound or at least supposedly uh, in talks with MSNBC. Again, uh, not that either of us know this, but any thoughts there just seemed a little odd to me. It'd seemingly be a dream job that has two good reasons for leaving the greatest job she said she's ever had. I mean, she's not staying home. Uh, and I, I just don't imagine it has to be a little bit chaotic inside the White House. Any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, good riddance to her. But uh, of course, she'll get her payoff, as they all do, right, over at MSNBC, where she can uh, be brought up to, you know, brought on as a regular uh, pundit or guest, or maybe she'll get her own show. But uh, yeah, she can uh, rub elbows uh, with Joy Reid, you know, and uh just uh, watch the country burn down and say that uh, it's all people who supported Trump. Uh, it's their fault. And uh, January 6th was just the most painful moment in American history because it was an insurrection. So yeah, of course. So she'll go get her payoff from MSNBC. MSNBC, that's uh, Microsoft network, right? That's Bill Gates. My mom used to say this stupid thing when I was a kid, you know, and she'd get frustrated, uh, frustrated. She'd say, stop the world. I want to get off. I'm like, I kinda, I'm kind of with you, mom, at this point. Well, I hear you. I don't know if this next one is going to help, but we've seen quite a sell-off in the cryptos. A couple of years ago, it went up to 20,000, then down to three, then up to 60,000, then down to 29,000. I have mixed thoughts on this sector, although one thing I will point out is uh, that article from the CFTC commissioner, Chris Giancarlo's speech, no less, back in 2017, where he talked about one of the successes of the Trump administration, along with Goldman Sachs, was popping the Bitcoin bubble. So certainly uh, they did that with the advent of the Bitcoin futures product, was what he said. So is this another planned demolition? Uh, what do you think uh, has happened with Bitcoin? Any thoughts there? 
Yeah, I think you make a really good point about that futures product. And that's exactly why Gensler refuses to approve a Bitcoin spot ETF, right? Because they can uh, monkey around with futures uh, in that uh, ETF, Bitcoin ETF, uh, futures ETF settles in cash. So I imagine they can uh, do to some extent similar manipulation that they do in the precious metals market. Now, I find it hard to believe that they can do it to the extent that they've done it to silver and gold because coins capped, right? At a, what, 21 million that there will ever be. And I think we're at 19 million mined now. Um, but yeah, I, I do find the uh, extent of the manipulation pretty jaw-dropping when you consider the fact that they're really probably are only closer to 14 or 15 or 13 million Bitcoin because of lost wallets and you know all that kind of stuff. People lose their keys. Um, people pass away and forget to, you know, give the keys to somebody who knows how to access the Bitcoin. Um, I do find it pretty fascinating that uh, they've been able to manipulate, in my view, the price down from 68,000 to 29,000 today. But uh, I would say Bitcoin's holding up fairly well today as we're having this conversation. I don't know when you're going to post this. I suppose you'll post it or two and Bitcoin will be at 20,000. But right now it's at what, 29,200? And it's down what three percent? Meanwhile, the Dow is down three point seven five percent today. So, and, and why is the Dow down three point seven five percent today? What, what's the excuse? Because the Fed is talking about raising rates again. Uh, Dow tumbles more than twelve hundred points as stock hit the low of the day with thirty minutes to close. Uh, after another major retailer warned of rising cost pressures, confirming investors' worst fears over rising inflation and inflation and rekindling the brutal 2022 sell-off. So if I may, for just a moment, I know, I know the silver price hasn't soared yet, but I mean, Dave Kranzler and I and you and others who come on the show have been talking about how this thing was a bubble and they were going to run into inflation problems. So that's pretty much the reason on that one. And um, either case, I mean, I get it. It's It's tough to dig through and tough to live through at certain times, but at least from the standpoint of trying to point out what's there so that at least people can have some honest and accurate information. Certainly you have been one of the leaders of doing that at your site, sgtreport.com. And uh, Sean, maybe you could just let folks know uh, if there's some people watching today that are new to your site, what you do there and, um, and where they can find you. Yeah, thanks. Um, so yeah, sgtreport.com. We uh, syndicate, I guess you'd say, other people's content. You can always find my latest interviews or videos right at the top of the page there. And uh, we share great stuff from people like, you know, Chris Marcus and Arcadia Economics and uh, all sorts of folks. Um, goldsilver.com, Mike Maloney. Uh, yeah, scroll down the page there and you can see the news. So it's set up a little bit like a drudge report, you know. Uh, we syndicate uh, truthful information from sources uh, we trust. And uh, boy, yeah, TV presenter warns of severe global food shortage. I think that's the next bell they're going to ring, man. I mean, we can just see the writing on the wall. I've said too, Chris, if, uh, if they can't demoralize us and defeat us and just get us to give up, they're going to starve us out. I think that's uh, potentially what's coming. And uh, it's, um, it's a really really big concern because, uh, you know, when you uh, leave people hungry, they get desperate. And when desperate people see their children go hungry and starve, then they get violent. And uh, that's scary.
And I don't think the puppet in chief really cares about doing anything to prevent those days from coming because he really truly is in the pocket of the World Economic Forum. He's in the pocket of Davos. He's in the pocket of the global elite, you know, and he continues to talk about a new world order. Biden does, you know, just like uh, that witch in um, Chicago, uh, Lori Lightfoot. She talked about the new world order, pledging her allegiance to a new world order several times. You can go find video of her saying that literally. And hiring people, finding people that can work in her, her administration who share that same view and pledge an allegiance to a new world order. So that's what we're up against, man. So sgtreport.com, I like to say it's the antidote to corporate propaganda and mockingbird mainstream media lies. Uh, I also have the site, thephaser.com, where I hand select videos uh, that are getting increasingly more difficult for people to find. You know, if they don't already know the sources, they may have a hard time finding truth sources. So the fate really specializes in video and uh, SGT report is a mix of video and articles. Well, Sean, I sure appreciate what you're doing. Again, it's not uh, easy to, to handle sometimes, but I mean, such is the world that we live in. You know, there were world wars, there is war happening now. And you don't know exactly where it's going to go. But I appreciate you digging through this. So at least people can hear what's out there if they're ready to handle that and uh, make the appropriate arrangements wherever possible. And so thank you for what you're doing. I uh, appreciate that. And a great update today, as it does appear as if they're crashing the system and you just stay well out there and we'll look forward to doing this again soon. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate you, man. Well, thank you again, Sean. Sure do appreciate that. And a lot of the challenges that I know he's had to go through to keep his show running and Certainly, I'm grateful because a lot I've learned from his channel over the years, and nice to have him on. Before we wrap up, one last note, would like to thank Keith Newmeyer, First Majestic Silver. As you can see, I have my First Majestic shirt on today, and I know there's a lot of people out there right now that are frustrated because the First Majestic Silver share price is down, along with the price of silver, and I see some of that being directed towards Keith, which I guess I understand there's a need to vent, although to the degree of someone who's really stood up for honor and integrity in our system, maybe that's part of being a leader where you have to do things that maybe aren't always as convenient for yourself, yet to the degree where he saw the same thing we're seeing, that there's a gap coming here and navigating those things. Um, certainly I appreciate and is one of the reasons that I do believe this word leadership warranted on their site in regards to Keith. Um, I don't know if I'd be doing this today were it not for the things that he'd spoken up about. And especially when you can direct that fury over to the CFTC, although perfect, I have the perfect solution for everyone because even better, if you wanna hear what Keith Neumeier thinks about Ross the Boss over at the CFTC, well, just click on this video coming your way now.